0: going to bounce back <laughs> like a tennis
1: ball. Best believe I punched Keanu Reeves and it was any s- better than anything <laughs> you can see in speed. <laughs> he could dodge bullets, but he couldn't dodge me. That's one of those movies where I, I've, I've, I've obviously I've watched it several times because it's just so good. But um, I have also maybe listened to the soundtrack a few too many times as well.
0: It's really so fun. good. It's really fun. Anyway, guys, thanks for joining us for our aftercast. We are speaking of the movie with Randall Park, of course, Always Be My Maybe, and fantastic soundtrack.
1: The, and the Hello Peril soundtrack.
0: And every time I see that uh, tennis ball in the, in the throat of the ostrich, I just want to say, you're going to bounce back. Bounce back like, like a tennis, tennis ball. ball. Bounce back. Anyway, Christina, so you know how we were just talking about like the placenta and the warthogs and uh-huh. everything. Have you ever seen a baby warthog? No. They're actually really cute. They're like that kind of like, what happened to this animal? Weird, but they're so cute. Okay. They're like that weird cute. Like when they're itty bitty bitty, they're super cute. But then as they get like start to fill out their older warthog shape, they have that weird in between. It's like, this is a strange looking animal. But they're still like super cute in their weirdness. Anyway, I know this because- (gasps) I have seen. Oh my
1: cuteness! Okay, if you heard the typing, it was me looking up images of a baby warthog. It's so cute. <laughs>
0: um, because I have actually seen baby warthogs in person. Yes. Now I didn't have to deal with any like placenta.
1: I don't think warthog placenta is something that the average person is is going to have to deal with in their lifetime.
0: Thankfully, let's hope. Well, this was a, a group of. I'm trying to think if there were six or if there were eight. A whole litter. I guess. Do they come in litters? I guess they would. I would imagine, okay. yeah. But they were all the same size, so you would assume they were from the same, and they were in their wild habitat. Of course, like, so I was on safari, up where we had our tents, like, to sleep because we were there for a few nights. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a building that had, like, a big water tank so that people could take showers or brush their teeth kind of thing, right? So to collect the rainwater, and that was what you would use. And that water tank dripped. So underneath it was a big puddle that was just like mud. Yes, but now this was an area that people, which sounds like fun if you're a baby warthog, right? But that was an area of the that was like a part of the campsite. If you're a baby Susie. <laughs> that was an area of the campsite where because there were mostly people there a lot camping, a lot of the the wildlife didn't really come around. Uh huh. Very often, you know, and it, but it was a very um, small, tight place. Like, so that it would be safe, right? Because yeah. we we're in the middle of a wild game reserve, right? Anyway, so I'm watching and I was actually headed to that building and I happened to see these like six or eight, let's just say seven to, to round it in between. Yeah. Uh, little baby warthogs. They were like the size of a cat at this point. So they were, they were old enough to kind of go on their own. They weren't like itty bitty, but they were not fully grown by any means, and they all come together and they all went straight for that mud mud puddle underneath the water tank uh-huh. and they started like sloshing around just like you would expect a pig, you know, yeah. to do. and it was just like the cutest thing, right? Well, two years later, a friend of mine went to the same game park and went on safari and went camping and got a picture. Would you believe it? Let's say seven because I can't remember if it was a six or eight, but it was the exact same number. I'd have to look at my pictures to know for sure. Uh, grown up warthogs all coming together in one big pack. Yeah. Going to that same mud spot. And playing in the mud? And playing in the mud. Underneath that water tank Aww. in the same place. I was like, that has to be the same ones. It does. Like they just knew. Now I will say the person that I was with at the time was like, oh, they're so cute. Let's run up and hold them. I was like, no, 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 no. Because a mama warthog is somewhere. These are to be left in the wild and the mama is going to be somewhere if all of her babies are headed to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I said, no, let's turn around and let them have their bath and we will come back for our shower another time. But they were super cute.
1: Yeah, did there were the ones that you saw? Did they have the stripes on them like the no, baby here?
0: No, they didn't have the stripes like that one. That one is super cute and super young. These ones are the ones that are kind of if you look at images, they're a little bit older and bigger, so they get, you start to get that feature in their face that uh-huh. looks more like the adult. Okay. And it had almost like a razorback kind of hairdo. <laughs> they were
1: they were
0: they were bizarrely beautiful. Now I almost a hippo almost knocked over our tent on that same trip. Actually, that's another story. Yeah, that's
1: that's not that's not as much fun as the the baby warthog story. That
0: was pretty intense, actually. Um, yeah, because hippos are scary and mean and huge and much bigger than the tent that I was in. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That that's its own story. But that hippo seemed to like the patch of grass that one of the corners of our tent was staked into. And both nights we were there, it came at the exact same time, three o'clock on the dot in the morning. And I heard this rah-rah rah rah rah. <laughs> and I looked out the first night and I was like, what is that sound? And I peeked out just the mesh. I'm so thankful I didn't turn a light on. And I see this huge hippo. And I put my hand, like kind of leaned it against the fabric of the tent, right? Mm-hmm. As I'm leaning forward. And and whoosh, I almost got knocked over because it, it it swung its like cabina towards the tent. And so I technically I touched a hippopotamus, but it was like through the fabric of a tent. So we, I, so me and the, the other person in my town we're like, okay, let's just stay very still. Yes, yeah,
1: stay, stay very let still. Let it have its snack.
0: Maybe it will not notice that let you're it, there. Let us have its snack and go on. So it was a great story the next morning. Of course, the next night, I kid you not, on the hour, 3-0-0, exactly. Rah, 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 rah. Same corner, same steak, same little tiny patch of grass, giant hippo, noshing away. Wow. It was pretty fun yeah close encounters of the wild kind
1: now i have i have while camping come upon a uh, a a wild buffalo on a reserve oh yeah and those 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 dudes are way bigger than you think they are yeah They're big and i we did have um chipmunks raid our campsite once and like rip holes in the sides of tents and try to get in. Oh, and, wow. That's oh, never yeah. happened
0: to me. But I did have a one of the buffalo. I, I did have a, a wild buffalo charge my car. Oh. Because I was going through a protected area that protected the wild buffalo, mm-hmm. right? And you could drive through. You couldn't get out of your car or anything. You just drove through. And, and if you saw the buffalo, you let them pass, right? Well, a whole herd was passing. So I had to stop and like wait. And I guess, because like you said, they're humongous. Oh, like, they're huge. And I was driving a really like a compact car, right? So it was like the same size as my car. And so I was actually with a friend who'd never seen a, a buffalo in the zoo or anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so she was just sitting there amazed. She was like, wow, look at these magnificent creatures. Well, We'd been there so long that the bull of the herd, I think, started to get nervous. Yeah. Because we're the same size. Now, I can't get in the head of the bull to know what he was thinking. But all of a sudden, he gets between us and the herd- and then he tilts his head down he lifts his hoof up and, and he, he you know does that yeah, whole, like, like hoofy hoof thing yeah like i'm i'm getting
1: ready to charge you here's your warning
0: right and then he he went for it well i kind of had a sense of what was happening cuz i've i've watched movies <laughs> i know that when when any kind of creature bows its head and lifts its hoof and starts snorting it's not a good thing so I had the car in gear and as soon as he went forward, I went reverse, but I only went back a little bit because we were following a trail. So yeah. I only went back enough before he stopped and we thought, okay, well, we're good and we'll let him go on. Well, because we stayed there, he didn't like it. And so three times he did that and uh, until we had to reverse out of the area because we were not going to get to pass because he was too nervous with us being that close, being to, his that heart. close
1: to his heart. And, and even
0: though we kept backing up further and further away, he kept coming nearer, and nearer to us further away from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, yeah, the friend I was with was like, it was, was very amazed and then very terrified. And I was just thankful that my car was in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, my, my Buffalo story.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the Buffalo we came upon was, so my dad, my dad and I walked around the corner Yeah. and between us and the, the facilities that are on the, the campsite, um, that's just like camping, camping bathrooms. So not like real bathrooms.
0: Like, uh, woodsman amenities. Yes. (laughs) Woodsman chic.
1: And um, and and so my dad grabbed a hold of my arm, and I was like, "What's it doing? Is it just standing there?" And my dad goes, "It's not standing." And when when he said that, I'm like, like it was pretty close to us because the bath the restrooms weren't that far away from the the curve in the road that we were on, and it stood up, and it was bigger than the bathhouses that we were going towards. Wow! And I was like. Uh, and so my dad just grabs a hold of me, and we start walking backwards really slowly, <laughs> <laughs> and we get back around the corner of of the trees of the little grove there. That, and and my dad just grabs a hold of me and just phew, takes off running. And but that's that's the closest I've ever been like in person, person to a buffalo. Well,
0: I've I've never been like out of the car with like a live buffalo yeah. without a fence in between us. I've been quite close to one, but there was a fence in between. Yeah. Us.
1: Now we've been in the car around Buffalo, up in, I think it was in South Dakota. Yeah. We we went to a Buffalo Reserve up there and they were just they were just everywhere. And it was beautiful.
0: Well, my friends and I went on a road trip to South Dakota to see Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just on a whim because
1: who because- doesn't need to whim- whimsy up to the Mount Rushmore?
0: honestly, the only reason we chose that as the location was because one of the friends I went with had a free place to stay. Oh, cool. <laughs> where we were going. We literally looked at all the different landmarks in the nation and we're like, okay, who do we know where? And that was the one that was available. So that's where we drove. And um, we were driving through a town. And, of course, like you said, there's lots of wildlife up there. And so there was a moose. Now, moose. Mises are very large.
1: <laughs> yeah, those are big animals
0: too. Oh my goodness. And so we're driving through the town and it was very quiet, like lazy, like mountain town, mountain-ish type town, right? There wasn't a lot around and there's this moose. I'm like, oh, this is my first time to see one. I was like, look at that. And it's, it's it's walking on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. It came to the end of the road. It looked both ways and then it crossed. That's a smart moose, and I was like, "That's amazing." Now it makes sense because if they're near the towns, they would, you know, animals understand like patterns of behavior. Yeah, and so they get it like in that sense. But for us, it's like such a human like learned behavior. We're thinking to look in both ter- ways. We're thinking in terms of look both ways before there's a car, and it it was just a very funny uh, a funny thing. That's awesome.
1: So. One of the things that triggered a memory for me in this episode is at the beginning at the zoo. Now yeah. we've shared all of these wildlife camping. Right, but these stories. are all like in the
0: natural, in the world. Yes. In their in in their in their native habitats. In their natural habitats. As as David Attenborough would say.
1: So when I was in college, I had in one of my biology assignments, I had to go to the zoo and I had to like write down all of the different order and all, species and phylum and everything yep. for each animal.
0: Kings play chess on fine green silk.
1: Exactly. And so my older brother had gone with me because we just, we were we were really good friends and still are. And so we had just gone to spend the day at the zoo and, and we're at the uh, chimpanzee. They have a little island at the zoo that we're okay. on. And so there's about Oh, I don't know, five or six feet away from me on the other side, there are three young boys and they all have like snow cones, right. like little icy snow yeah. cones. And one of the chimpanzees comes up to the edge of the island and he points to the boy and then makes a motion with his hand, like, like a Camere, like Neo in,
0: in- Or like Bruce Lee.
1: Bruce Lee. Yeah. yeah. in Neo in the Matrix. Come here. After he, he points again, so the boy throws his snow cone into the chimpanzee island. How did he not get in trouble for that? I don't know. I don't know. Because I'm pretty sure you're not supposed you're to You're not supposed to anything. do that. And so the chimpanzee took the snow cone, the little ball of ice with the flavoring, and he put the whole thing in his mouth and then started chewing it up and then immediately put all four of his hands, feet, on his head and sort of rolling around on his back like brain freeze oh my goodness and then after about a you know 30 seconds or so he gets up points to the next boy (gasps) and does the same motion come here but he's wanting that snow cone again points to the snow cone does the motion give me that snow cone the boy throws a snow cone all four hands and feet on the head rolling around on the back brain freeze again Stands up, does it to the third boy. Third boy throws a snow cone. Chimpanzee eats the whole snow cone in one bite. All four, hands and feet on the head with the brain freeze. I was like, I didn't even know chimpanzees could get brain freeze. I mean, it makes sense. But the fact that this chimpanzee like… Was addicted to brain freeze. So it's, yeah. Like he, he had… Somebody had thrown a, a snow cone to him at some point. Because he knew exactly what he wanted and he wanted that. Like he walked around, he saw that. He wanted that snow cone, pointed at it, asked the boys to give it to him or demanded whether or not that's chimpanzee language, I don't know. I'm like, it seemed like this is a thing that like this particular chimpanzee does on a I fairly feel like regular if zoom basis. Out,
0: like if, if this is like a scene in a show, then you're going to have a zoom out as everybody walks away. And as you zoom out, you're going to get this – you know, slightly elevated view looking down and you're going to see the sign to the left that is like, do not feed the chimpanzee snow cones. And you're just going to see like a pile of a like pile wasted of, snow, yeah. snow cone, like those little snow cone like cups. cups. Yeah. And it's going to be like a whole mountain of like the, filling the moat of snow cone <laughs> cups. And he'll it, be like, I'm the king of the snow cone island. I eat them all. I'm the snow cone King Kong. <laughs> but
1: yeah, that's, that's. I've seen some really funny things at zoos. Uh the other super funny one that I saw was also in a in a in a primate. There was a baby, mm-hmm. and he kept running up and and jabbing his mom. Aww. Like poking her with his finger, and she'd yell at him, and he'd run off, and then he'd run back up and he'd <laughs> poke her again, and she'd yell at him, and and he'd run off and. He poke her again, and and um, and and so finally he poked her again, and you could tell he's doing it. You could tell this little this little baby primate is irritating his mother on purpose. Yeah, and and he gets up and he takes off running, and the mama takes off running after him and grabs him by one arm has him dangling up in the air and starts like almost looks like she's spanking this monkey just and then she puts him back down and goes and sits back down again and i was like ah did did i seriously just see a a mama mama monkey spank a baby monkey i also didn't didn't know that they do that and i don't know that that's like was the intention yeah But she had him dangling by one arm, and she's just (laughs) wailing away on his butt.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And, yeah, I was like, wow, didn't know that that would happen either.
0: It's like those uh, videos from the zoo uh, that you find on YouTube of all those pandas that were babies and that they follow them as they've grown up, and they have Uh that one uh, uh, cage tender. that Mm -hmm. They always catch them, like, having to clean up and stuff, and then the baby pandas are always – in, in all the businesses, so cute. So they're all like tumbling in the leaves. Mm-hmm. I love those. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. Yeah, I love I love going to the zoo. It's one of my favorite
1: activities.
0: Well, I, I think one of the things in this episode was so much about memory, right? Uh-huh. And here we've just shared a bunch of our own personal memories. And so one of the things I wanted to consider is like, what is the reliability of memory? Yeah, And uh, like, I don't know, is this something you've ever thought about before?
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Like, so how, how reliable do you think your memories are? Like, do you really trust your memories?
1: I do in general, but I, I have a tendency to trust them more. So like if I was talking with my brother Mm -hmm. and he had the same recollection of that story with the chimpanzees, then that would just kind of confirm to me that I do actually remember that that story correctly. Correctly,
0: Right. But it is tricky because they might see something different in that moment and not see something yeah. that you would see. Um, I think it is interesting. Um, I, you know, if you look up, I was looking up online and like psychologists seem to be really, remember folks, we are not trained in this field. We are not trained psychologists at all. We're trained. Psychological psychologicalists is what we're trained in and um and, and by our training we mean sitting in front of episodes of psych repeatedly uh, yeah i'm highly trained yeah so we're psychologicalists but uh psychologists like proper psychologists are actually quite divided on like the role of memory as to what to its reliability mm-hmm. so you have some on the far spectrum that are like it's not reliable at all and others who are like it's absolutely reliable because it's You know, because if it exists, there's truth in it. Yeah, you know, at least to some degree. And so, one of the things I I read up on was was talking about how the one thing that they do mostly agree on is that it is reconstructive, meaning that as we remember, because they say that we store not the full memory but traces of the memory. Okay. They're saying what we do is when we're, we're retelling the story, it's like we have to fill in the little gaps. Okay you know so we remember all the big details or whatever and then those little gaps get filled in and as we tell it those then become part of the memory now be you know especially i think for visual people like that is a it becomes a solid picture that is hard to deny which is why sometimes they have trouble with lineups okay in the police stations
1: yeah but i think a lot of a lot of that is awareness as well like how aware are you while that memory is being created
0: yeah for sure
1: because most of us i don't think are as aware as we think that we
0: are for sure i think that you know if if there's a certain situation going on we choose to be more aware and we kind of capture details but a lot of times, like let's say if we witness a car accident or something that's something unexpected, we're not expecting to see. I think we have a lot of that information in our brain because we've captured it, but we're we're not aware of it, and so it's difficult to pull from yeah as a memory, um, you know, without prompts because we're not like cataloging it as it's happening yeah, and so uh, that's a tricky thing. And the other thing is like I think with like the police lineups is they often present similar pictures. And so if there is a gap where you literally don't have something now there's something similar enough that you can it's like they're almost like providing information for you to fill those gaps with. Yeah. Whereas if you don't have something to fill that gap with there's maybe sometimes more of a chance for you to pull out of those recesses. To remember. I know like for myself with languages um bec- there are some sometimes if I'm if I'm speaking one but I can't remember like a vocabulary word. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. The, it's like whatever whatever comes floats to the surface fastest to fill the gap. Yeah,
1: and so it'll as, be
0: a, it'll be a word from a different language. It'll be the right word, but it'll be a word from a different language, and I'm like, oh, that doesn't help me. I do the same thing, and so because I because do- I I speak I speak English
1: obviously, and then there's two other languages that I speak um, on a very like very low level, right? And same kind of thing. Like when I get to that word that I don't know,
0: I might just completely switch to a different language. Right, and it's not even for me. Like it's not even like a, a cognizant thing. It's just like, it's like my brain is desperately searching for something because it's for that word. It's maybe been a while, and I know that I knew the word, Mm -hmm. so I know it's there. But without hearing it, I'm not able to like generate it myself because it's been so long since I spoke it. And so when I go to speak it like that, and it hits that roadblock, my brain is fighting to pull it up Mm -hmm. because it knows it's there. But it can't. So it just pulls up the one that's closest to it. And it's like, ah, I pulled it from the wrong language bank in yep. my brain. And uh, yeah, that's not helpful at all.
1: No. It was very unhelpful when I was uh, trying to teach my children, help them with their their homework for a foreign language. Because it was like I would I would be doing okay. And then all of a sudden my brain would just switch gears into a different language because it didn't know that that particular word. And I'd be like, nope, sorry. But I know... Like for myself, mm-hmm. I am – i I'm very typically only aware of what's like directly in front of me. That does mean generally I don't get distracted super easily. But that also means that I have a tendency to not be aware of what's going on behind me. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I have crazy good hearing. So I can hear things from – ways away. I don't necessarily acknowledge that information unless I stop and focus on it.
0: Interesting. Like my brain will take it
1: all in. It'll hear all of that from the other room. And then if somebody's like, what's going on in the other room? Then I can go, oh, and I can tell you, I can focus in and I can tell you what I just heard in the last several minutes. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm I just I'm I'm just not aware of things
0: unless I'm focused on it. Well I do not have that kind of hearing. I'm more like Gus. I have the super sniffer. Yeah. I have the powerful smelling, but not the powerful hearing. But I do think like for me, I, I'm actually very observant, but I struggle to remember sometimes because I might be actually observing and kind of cataloging things as I go. Mm-hmm. But if I'm thinking about something because I'm so internal, Mm-hmm. That's where my observation is. So when I recall a memory, I'm often recalling what I'm feeling inside or, or the memory of what I was thinking of in the moment. And so I, I'm i not always getting the other things. Oh, that's so interesting. But if I, like if I'm walking into a situation where I'm not really thinking too much or I'm just maybe even a little in gut or something, I will remember a lot more because I'm very observant and I, I see almost like in wide lens, right? Mm-hmm. But most of the time, if I'm just like doing living my life, I've I've got a I've got a lot of stuff going on that in 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 my mind that I'm like, it it that that's what fills the gaps in my memory, yeah, of the event. And so sometimes I can be unaware, and I could be say, well, this was happening, this was happening because I was observing it, but I actually don't know like what they were saying or. Or talking about and I can't quite remember that because in that moment I was thinking they did this, and so I was thinking this, and I was in then I it internalized. It, you got to
1: start internalizing all of the information. Yeah. We're complex creatures. We are. Yeah. My husband is is hyper observant, like kind of like Sean. Not yeah. quite to that same extreme. I'm too
0: internalized to be like Sean. I just
1: But he's, he's, he's very observant where he's kind of always aware of, we could, we could be driving down the road at, at night and I could tell him to close his eyes and tell me how many cars are in this one mile. And he probably could tell me, like, he knows which ones are behind him. He probably even knows what colors they are.
0: It's, it's insane. So like I can be observant, right? Mhm. But because I've internalized things, it doesn't always come out the same. Yes. Proof is in my paraphrasing. Oh, that's so true. So for example, I can take in my surroundings and I can remember what was happening, but I can't remember those exact details. specifics or but I can tell you like I'll be able to say, "Oh, the guy in the red shirt was talking to the girl in the, you know, white dress and there were nachos and there was this and this at the at the party, right?" Mhm. Uh, but if somebody said, well, what exactly did he say to the girl? I would be able to say, oh, well, I think, you know, he was hitting on her and he was saying, you know, like, are you an some kind of angel that fell from heaven or something, right? But I wouldn't remember those exact, like, word for words. Because I'm taking in kind of – remember I said – I'd taken this whole, like, 360 yeah. scene, right? So there's a lot of details I'm picking up at the same time. Well, I, I found – and I I found um the University of Alabama. Yes. Someone there, I don't know if it was a student or a professor, um, but they did a study of the effect of paraphrasing on memory. Okay. And their conclusions, so what they did is they had um participants, they had them take notes verbatim, mm-hmm. and then they had participants like verbatim from a historical text. And then they had the other ones just like listen and paraphrase. Okay. Uh, They were given a math test, totally unrelated, just to distract the brain. And then they had to take a multiple choice quiz on their recall of the historical material. Okay. So it's like, you know, when you smell a perfume and then you have to smell the coffee and then the perfume again, so you get the other smell out of the... Review. Yes. The paraphrasing group
1: scored higher. I would I would definitely think that they would because if they're paraphrasing while they're taking notes, they're actually processing and understanding the information uh-huh. in a deeper way exactly, as opposed to writing down verbatim, which may or may not be how you think or phrase things or...
0: And what they found through the course of their study is not just that they uh, comprehend it more and that they get more accuracy... But that it lasts longer term in their memory. Yeah, and I just felt I don't know a little vindicated
1: in being a chronic paraphraser.
0: In being a chronic paraphraser.
1: Well, we already knew you were smart.
0: I don't always believe that though, because I mean, I are, I know my brain and I know its failings. Yeah, we, we know, all we all know our own brain. We know failings, ourselves. So. We know ourselves. Now maybe I don't feel so guilty. So guilty. I don't know. The cycles are really good at remembering these great quotes. I just wish I could because they're so good. This is why I'm a bad joke teller is because of the paraphrasing. I struggle with telling jokes because I can paraphrase the joke, but then it kind of misses that punchline. That's why I do better with like puns and things.
1: Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because very often I'll remember what was said Not just, I won't just remember like the words that were said, but I'll also remember like the cadence of the words and the the inflection and the tone. And, but like I said, if I'm focused, like that's what I'm focused on. That's what I'm aware of. And that's what I'm going to remember. Yeah. And so it's like, there are things that my children said 20 years ago that I can remember like their tone and inflection and, and what they said. It's interesting. It is
0: interesting. Paraphrasing for the win. Let's go back to chimpanzees for a moment. Okay. I'm thinking of Coco at the moment. I don't know if y'all remember Coco, but Coco knew sign language and she was amazing. And, And just the whole nation loved her people. She was beautiful. Anyway, that's beside the point.
1: The whole nation loves Fiona the hippo
0: as well. I know, but- Fiona and the hippo you, we, we is told, not a primate, and we Coco told was. hippo stories though. Well, you told the hippo a hippo story. Can't do sign language. Of course, Coco is no longer with us.
1: But Fiona the hippo
0: can do can do twirls. But like she's a ballerina. In terms of humans being complex, and then thinking back to our stories of wildlife. Yes. I'm just thinking back to you telling me a description of a game you were playing the other week. <laughs> Yes. And how did you say that it was phrased on the box? Well,
1: what I was telling you, we were talking about maturity. Uh-huh. Um to kind of prepare for the episode and I was telling you that we had had like a family game night and one of the prizes was a game. Okay. And my family, so like my husband and our children and their now spouses Had competed together and we won this game and my niece came over and she said i'm so glad you won this game because it says on it that it's for mature children or immature adults and i said do you think i'm a mature child (laughs) and she said the the forever child right (laughs) and she kind of she kind of she kind of got like i don't know what the look would be like pensive pensive maybe yeah and said what well,
0: or, or the other or the other one and you got slammed by your niece yeah and it, I, you got put back into like, place by your niece you got schooled i'm
1: i'm ha- internal internally i'm having this moment of going this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life and externally I'm trying to like play it cool and still be like the cool immature adult aunt. Um but yeah, I'm like for I was on cloud 9 for like a week after she after she came and snuggled up next to me and told me that she was so glad that I had won this game because it's for mature children or immature adults. Like yeah. It was it was the greatest um compliment slam of
0: <laughs> of all. Well, I mean, as psychologicalists, we can't be inclined to it, right? No. I'm not going to resign to it. Nope. All right, guys. We hope you had fun. Um, let us know if you had any great memories or wildlife experiences or Ooh. zoo experiences. If you're a zookeeper, would you contact us and let us arrange, um,
1: Let us I don't come know, visit your a zoo. visit
0: where, even if we can't swim with the dolphins, because that's a different episode, maybe we can.
1: We promise not to throw any tennis balls into ostrich pens if we come to your zoo.
0: I do not promise to refrain from throwing snow cones into the chimpanzee yard, though. <laughs> we won't tell them that till afterwards. Until
1: after? Okay. Well, let's. Let's maybe not promise now. I, and then we can say that, well, we didn't promise that before. Because with the not promising, it, it'll it work out. It'll work. It'll work.
0: So to let us know those stories, of course, you can contact us as always at suzannelizzie at gmail.com. That's S-U-S-I-E-A-N-D-L-I-Z-Z-I-E. At gmail.com. You can also reach us on Facebook,
1: Twitter, and Instagram at... Suzy and Lizzie, and so psychological.
0: Gotta bounce back. Like a tennis ball. Oh, wait, we already did that ending. Yeah. <laughs>